Welcome to Speak for Yourself. It's time to discuss the greatest enigma in all of sports. It's time to settle the debate of the one question that nobody seems to be able to answer. Is Russell Wilson overrated or underrated? I mean, I guess it really depends on how and when you look at Russell Wilson. Is he great or is he not that good? The first five years of Russell Wilson's career, playoff record, second best in the league through that time period, behind only that of Tom Brady, the greatest ever Tom Brady. Russell Wilson? That close to Tom Brady? But then the last five years of Russell Wilson's career, and I'm not even talking about last year, the year in which he got hurt. I'm talking about the last five where he's one and four in the playoffs. It's going to catch up to me. But the last five of Russell Wilson's career, he's one and four. Tied with that of Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, the same Ben Roethlisberger whose performances were so abysmal that he had to retire. So where does that land Russell Wilson? Well, if you ask the players, somewhere behind Kyler Murray, but ahead of Matt Jones. Russell Wilson voted on by the players as the 61st best player in the National Football League. And as it stands now, not even as good as Kyler. Kyler that has no playoff wins and one playoff appearance. So how good is Russell Wilson? I haven't concluded an answer myself, but I got to head to the desk to discuss. Joined by Bucky Brooks, NFL insider, co-host of The Herd, the one and only Joy Taylor. Joy, can you please help me answer the question that so many people heavily debate, but nobody has a great answer to? Russell Wilson, is he underrated? I don't even know where to start with this. It's very upsetting. Of course he's underrated. Since when does winning a Super Bowl not matter? I want to start by saying I love Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray should have been paid. I think he's going to have a wonderful career. I think he's extremely talented. But Kyler Murray is 0-1 in the playoffs. I don't even know. I'm looking over my notes like, where do I start? What do, I, <laughs> do I talk about the fact that Russ has won 10-plus games in eight of his 10 seasons? He's a Super Bowl champ. Only Tom Brady has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson over the last five seasons. Speaking of Tom Brady... Since Russell Wilson led the Seahawks to the playoffs in eight of his 10 seasons in the NFL, since entering in 2012, second most playoff wins amongst quarterbacks, nine, only behind Tom Brady. I just, I think part of why Russell Wilson is so underrated has to do with his personality. Because the statistics are ridiculous. We could go down all the numbers that he has. We could go down the fact that he's a a Walter Payton Man of the Year. We could talk about all of the wins that he's had since he's entered the league. But I think what's really, what we should really focus on is the Super Bowl situation, right? Because so many people give the defense the credit for that Super Bowl, which I do think in some ways is fair. They had an unbelievable defense. But we're going to find out this year, similar to how we're finding out with the Patriots, just how valuable Russell Wilson is to that organization. Do we think that it was Pete Carroll's defense that has been keeping the Seahawks rel- relative and, and, and important over the past couple of years? Or is it Russell Wilson? Well, let's take a look at that Pete Carroll defense, shall we? You mentioned the last five years. Now the playoffs have gone. Uh, 2021, 28th in defense, in, in, in yards uh, allowed, 22nd in 2020 and in 2019 they were 26th and in 2018 they are 16th so we can just go down the line they have progressively gotten worse Mm -hmm. every single year since 2013 so either it's Pete Carroll and the defense and the system or it's Russell Wilson keeping the Seattle Seahawks afloat and what I love most about this conversation is we're gonna get to find out Mm -hmm. I love it and you can't can't put it on the Broncos. Broncos haven't been good over the past couple of years. He's not walking into a turnkey situation. He's got a new coach. He's got new teammates. A lot to overcome there in Denver. 
Seattle, quarterback battle between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So we're really going to find out, is Russell Wilson underrated or overrated? I think he is extremely underrated. I think the value that he brings as a starting quarterback to an organization is wildly understated, and I don't understand why we're constantly debating whether he's good or not. <laughs> I, I love Russell Wilson, one of my favorite players in the league. Really, I'm biased. I love him as a human being more than I love him as a quarterback. Uh, being real, I love what he stands for. I love what he stands up for and stands up against. Um, Bucky. For me, the debate isn't so much is he good or not. It's how great is he? Is he great or not? Because, Joy, Russell Wilson did win a Super Bowl, but many would argue, I know people say one play doesn't win or lose it, many would argue Russell Wilson also lost the Seahawks Super Bowl. You can't typically blame one player nor one play. I know the uh, New England Patriots, one play, a wide receiver, Super Bowl against the New York Giants. If you would have caught it, difference in the game. But against the New England Patriots with Russell Wilson, Malcolm Butler, interception, going in. That one play, if Russell Wilson doesn't throw a pick, difference in the game. Russell Wilson gives, Russell Wilson takes away. You giving Russell Wilson credit. Underrated, overrated. He's overrated. He's not underrated. He's overrated. Let's make sure we do that clearly. Overrated on the bigger scheme of things. Now, I would say Russell Wilson is all the things that you want with someone who's going to marry your daughter. Amen. He's an A-plus person, great character, great leader, great football leader when it comes to those things. But now we're talking about playing. Talk about it. And so when we're talking about playing, when, when we go to it, I will say this. Russell Wilson has been at his best when he's been forced to play as a manager, mm. not as a playmate. Mm. So when we go back and we talk about those Super Bowls that Joy wants to give him credit for because Super we're Bowl. over here talking about life, Lifetime Achievement Awards. <laughs> That's what we're doing with Russell. Take the gloves off, Bucky Brooks. Take the gloves off. When we go back and we look at that, the team was at its best when it was about the run game. That's fair. You're not wrong. And the defense. You're not wrong. Russell Wilson would sprinkle in a couple plays. They they would do it. But as I look at the Seattle Seahawks, the more that they let Russ cook, the worse the the, the dinners came back. Mm. It just wasn't the same. It's just not the same. He's a a really good player. Really good player. Great player. We can talk about that. Great player. Right now, at this stage of his career, oh, he's way over. We give him like credit for the pass. We give him too much credit for the pass. I mean, their yes. defense has been so bad over the last few years. What's the other option? Does nobody cook? We all just sit there with the raw food on the table. We're raw vegans now. We're just going to eat the food off the earth. We're, We're not even going to rinse We're it. Clean. I, 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 somebody has to cook. Somebody's got to make the meal. So, yeah, if you put too much on any one individual player, that's not a balanced offense. That's not a balanced team. So I would agree with you that that, that's going to turn into, we've seen this many times, where that turns into a bad situation for the team overall. No, Russell Wilson should not have to save the team. Yes, you're setting him up for failure when you put him in those situations. But what's the other option? They they, they fiddle around all game long, last two minutes. Hey, Russ, go uh, make something happen. Magic. Russell Magic spinning around, doing circles, throwing it under his arm. That's what they ask from him. So, of course, that's not going to work. But you can't trot that defense out there when that is your calling card and then blame Russell Wilson when things aren't going well in the postseason and throughout. That's, that's, you can't have it both ways. Here's what's fascinating to me, though, is Russell Wilson did have the greatest defense of the generation, like the greatest defense since 2000 and I'll say 10. I don't want to talk about that 0-2 Ravens defense. Yeah. They were some killers. Yeah. I really don't want to address some of those earlier Steelers defenses. Yeah, 08, yeah. they were some beasts too. But after 2010, Russell Wilson had the greatest defense since the uh, since 2010s. Yeah. Not I would hope you could win a Super Bowl with that defense, 
But if that is your biggest calling card, I would say that several people could win a Super Bowl with a defense like that. We saw what Joe Flacco did with the Ravens, Ravens defense, and not the greater Ravens defense, like the Ray Lewis on one arm Ravens defense. We saw what the mir- miracles Nick Foles did when the Eagles defense was in a bag. And mind you, Tom Brady still yeah. set a Super Bowl record of passing yards. We saw what that was. So, If you trot out a number one defense in which, think about this though, Joy, the Super Bowl that the Seahawks won, if I'm not mistaken, Bucky, Russell didn't need to score a touchdown to win that game. Percy Harvin scored on a kick return either to start the game or to start the second half. The Broncos didn't even get into the end zone more times than what Percy Harvin kick return. So Russell Wilson didn't actually have to do anything. The defense and special teams won that game. That's the only real argument of saying maybe Russ is a little overrated. Not as a human being. Not at all as a human being. But we're not talking about him as a human being. Like I mentioned the Walter Payton Man of the Year mm-hmm. award because I think that is, the, that is significant. That is a significant, prestigious award to win. It says more about you as a, as a player than people give it credit for. But that aside, I don't need to talk about Russ as a human being. The only reason I bring that up is because I really think that that affects how people view him as a player. Like, it takes away from him that he's, like, all polished and presidential. And I don't care about any of that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about what what actually happened. Okay, if you're going to talk about him getting there and Nick Foles and Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer, (laughs) did they go back to a Super Bowl? Do they go back? Because he's still the quarterback. Either the quarterback has that much value or they don't. Because those were one-and-done situations. True. Okay? So when we talk about whether Russell Wilson is underrated or overrated, that's why I love what's happening so much. I love that he is with the Broncos this year. And I love that the, that the Seattle Seahawks are like, we don't need a quarterback. We can just lose Geno Smith. Geno Smith and Drew Locke is a quarterback competition yeah. that is actually happening in the NFL right, right now, and we're talking about it like this is a legitimate thing. It's I mean, this is crazy to me, but sure, like this, this is what we're going to do. So we're going to get to find out, do you need Russell Wilson to be great, or can you do Drew Locke and Geno Smith, one of those two, winning out the quarterback battles in Seattle, and what is Russell Wilson going to do in Denver going in with a completely new situation? I, I love that we're going to get to find this out. I love I'm going to be right, and I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to tell you I was right. Well, I think Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. I think he's a great quarterback. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Should he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think that's the debate we're really talking about. But Russell Wilson is unequivocally great, 104 wins since he stepped into the league, only quarterback with more, Tom Brady. So I can't wait to figure out what Russ will do in Denver. Denver. But what else we need to figure out? Are these Niners coaches out here telling lies? San Francisco 49ers, remember, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a huge five-year, $138 million deal in 2018. But word on the street within the last 24 hours is that after Jimmy Garoppolo signed that big deal, he didn't return calls, he didn't return texts, and he went MIA for several days, if not weeks. I'm not buying it. I refuse to believe that all of a sudden Jimmy Garoppolo got paid and went MIA. Makes no sense to me, number one. Number two, if it is true, why are we hearing about it four years later? Somebody riddle me that. Like, don't tell me about how bad your relationship was when you get out of it. Because you stayed in it for four years. So if the relationship was all that bad, why are you still in it? Particularly when you're talking about the National Football League. So... Bucky, I'm coming to you because you brought this up yesterday. What do you make of the report that Jimmy G ignored his coaches? 
Well, look, I think it's significant. Michael Silver put that out there and said that Jimmy Garoppolo was not returning calls, had a tough time tracking him down in off-seasons, not just the one off-season, but in multiple off-seasons until Trey Lance shows up. And then he was very receptive to receiving the calls, <laughs> and he got back to all the texts. And so my thing would be it speaks to maybe the lack of preparedness when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo getting ready. It also might speak to a little bit of Kyle Shanahan's frustration with Jimmy Garoppolo despite his success. Because we all saw those moments when Kyle Shanahan would diagram and drop the perfect play. Wide receivers wide open down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo, all you got to do is just drop the layup in. And Jimmy Garoppolo can't. He can't see it. He can't fill it out. And so maybe because of the ghosting and not necessarily doing all the grind that we want our quarterback to put in, Maybe that's why the 49ers were able to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo so quickly for a guy who didn't play his last season in college and who is now going to be the star in San Francisco. But this is a classic case to me, Joy, of slander to make yourself feel better. You know, when you're moving off and away from somebody and someone, you got to start telling yourself how bad that person you're moving off of was and is just so you can feel better about the next thing. We've all done it. Let's be real. We've all done it. Some of y'all might be doing it right now. I think this is a classic case of slander to make yourself feel better because none of this came out earlier when Jimmy Garoppolo was taking y'all to the Super Bowl 49ers in 2019. Didn't come out last year when Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, beat the Packers in Green Bay, and barely lost to the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. But now that you're moving off, I think they're slandering Jimmy G to make themselves and Niners faithful feel better. Joy, what do you make of it? Well, the Niners are notoriously not a leaky organization. At all. So it doesn't surprise me that this is coming out now and it didn't come out then because they are very buttoned up when it comes to that. I kind of am with you. I can travel there with you on the kind of slandering now that we're moving off type of, of deal. It doesn't I'm split on on how much it surprises me. I can see it because we have seen Jimmy make some questionable decisions Mm, in the past, quite publicly. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not judging. It matters not to me. But (laughs) some people might find that not to be, you know, conduct of a quarterback who is a face of an organization. Again, doesn't matter to me. Live your life however you want to. But we have seen him make decisions that people might call questionable in the past. So it is not off the board for Jimmy G to do something like this. I do feel that, though, I'm with you. It feels a little bit like here's a little extra something so that we all feel better about moving in a different direction. Overall, it's a bit surprising because it did seem like this year he was very much a team guy. He bought into everything that was going on. He was very receptive to Trey Lance. It seemed like everyone in the locker room was behind Jimmy G and the, the situation. But I'm with you. It feels a little bit like we're moving on. And just remember, he wasn't like always the perfect guy. <laughs> That's how it goes down. I'm glad you're with me because, Bucky, I'm not necessarily with you. You said something yesterday. You know what? Just, just play it real quick. Play it real quick. We got a bone to pick. He has Jalen Hurts, who's a clone of himself, so he's not quite ready to be who Dak Prescott has been for the Cowboys. Offended, shocked, disgusted. We addressing that next. (laughs) We addressing that next. When we come back, I got a lot to say about what Bucky said. That's after the break. And speak for yourself. Brought to you by Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Bucky, you ain't letting off the hook, daddy. (laughs) Here we go. Boom. Okay, now we can talk ball. Now we can talk ball. Um, Bucky. We got beef, big dog. Do we? We got beef, big dog. Um, Yesterday, you said a couple things that were a little too disrespectful for your boy. Too disrespectful for your boy. Can we listen? Can we listen? Can we just listen? (laughs) 
there's a time and a place where you come up against somebody that you know and they know that you own them. Oh. He has Jalen Hurts, who's a clone of himself, so he's not quite ready to be who Dak Prescott has been for the Cowboys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bucky, you know in 2022 you can't use no words like own, and you best not use them when talking about my quarterback for my Eagles, oh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, okay. I would go as far as to say Jalen Hurts will fare better than Dak Prescott this season. I will go as far as to say when this season is over, we are going to be looking at Jalen Hurts more glowingly than we look at Dak Prescott. I will go as far as to say Jalen Hurts numbers, not necessarily total numbers because the Cowboys just pass the ball every single down. But I will go as far as to say Jalen Hurts' averages, percentages, and efficiency will be greater than that of Dak Prescott. No slight to Dak, but he ain't got the help that my dog Jalen Hurts has. You tried to call Jalen Hurts snack size. You tried to call Jalen Hurts a kid's meal. You tried to call Jalen Hurts a mini-me. He grown, big dog. He, he grown. He is grown. And I like how he's growing up in this Eagles offense. And the reason I said he reminds me of Dak is because remember what Dak did when he was early? He was winning division titles, taking his team into the postseason. He was putting a team on his back, and he wasn't supposed to as a fourth-round pick. I look at my second-round pick, and this comparison doesn't just go to how they play now, but going all the way back to when he was at Alabama mm. and then at Oklahoma. And you can see him utilize his legs mm. and make plays. It reminded me of a young mm. Dak Prescott when he was playing at Mississippi State, putting that whole program on his back. Mm. And then he goes to Dallas and make similar things happen because even though we talk about Ezekiel Elliott, that offense pops when Dak Prescott is there because the intangibles, the leadership quality, all of that. So I would say that Jalen Hurts aspires to be what Dak Prescott is because you know what Dak Prescott does? Dominates the NFC East. Watch your mouth. Dominates. The most offensive thing that's ever happened to me the most offensive thing, true story, true story, I'm about to get personal with y'all, bring out the <laughs> tissue. Most offensive thing that's ever happened to me during my high school basketball career, um, when I was playing with my brother, my older brother played in the NFL for nine years, I would get the ball against the rival team and the whole crowd would chant, shadow, shadow, <laughs> shadow. Anytime I got the ball, as to say I was living in my older brother's shadow. This is not going to be the case with these two. Jalen Hurts is not living in Dak Prescott's shadow, sir. I get it. They both light-skinned. I get it. They were both <laughs> underdrafted. I get all that. But don't you dare disrespect Jalen Hurts. I do think that he will lead the Eagles to a better record, particularly in perspective of, uh, of what we think is going to happen than Dak Prescott. A better record? How is he going to have a better record when they always win the division? It's their division. They never won when it back Dak back Prescott, they haven't won when Dak Prescott is a better, they win 80% of their games against the NFC East. So we know this. If he's healthy and available, we can throw out the hats and the T-shirts to the Cowboys. Now, I like what Jalen Hurst has done. I believe Jalen Hurst is going to be a longtime franchise quarterback for the Eagles. But this guy, this is the guy we talk about underrated. He's the one who's underrated because what he's able to do this year, when we talk about all the pieces around him being gone, Norman Cooper, questions about the offensive line, a diminishing De uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. Now we get to have a great appreciation for Dak Prescott and all the things that he is and all the things that he's always been. 18 years, 18 years. Nobody's had a back-to-back -back division winner for 18 years and not in the NFC East. And you're telling me that the Cowboys are going to break the 18-year-old NFC back trend. I'm talking about a, a, a college-going trend. Back-to-back. Back-to-back, they're doing it.
Dak Prescott is the guy. It's the deal. I know it pains you. It pains you so much because you hate the Cowboys. You hate Dak Prescott. But this is the year. He does it. They go back to back. I love what I see from him. But look, man, go ahead and print this up, man. Print this shit. Take the rising, dog. Take the rising. We got to transition. I can't take no more of this. I can't take no more of this. Moving to the NBA. How about Kevin Durant? Another superstar. He's still in Brooklyn for now. Now, a report does in fact say that NBA executive believes KD is more likely to retire than return to the Nets this season. Retire? Kevin Durant? I refuse to believe that one. So Kevin Durant, he took to Twitter. He said, y'all stupid. Now, quote, I know most people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if anyone out there will listen, essentially, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Blank is comical at this point. My bad, y'all. I don't know how to read curse words on television. Y'all know I'm a pastor, kids. I don't want to be cussing like that. Um, Joy Taylor, how does Kevin Durant look this off season? You also seem to have some deep emotional trauma from high school. You might have worked through it, Uh that's a, that's a little jarring, though. Some, a whole crowd's Bruh, chanting shadow. shadow. Yeah. Scarred me. I didn't have those experiences. Um, it's confusing. It's confusing. I will say... I believe Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is going to come out and say he's not going to retire very openly, I will believe Kevin Durant over an unnamed source. Mm -hmm. It doesn't behoove him to say that if that's the leverage he was going to use. So why would he come out and dispute it if he's not if he's going to retire? Like he could use that card. So I don't think he's going to retire. But I do think the situation is very confusing when it comes to what Kevin Durant wants. I have no problem with Kevin Durant handling his career the way that he does and the way that he has, because I believe KD has earned the right with his nine years in Oklahoma City and Seattle to take control of his circumstances. That said, what are the circumstances in Brooklyn? He's told Josiah, it's me or Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. Is it that toxic of a situation with Steve Nash and Sean Marks in control. I mean, I don't think that either one of them have done anything to make themselves untouchable in their positions. But it doesn't feel that it's that toxic. Maybe it is. We don't know. Is it Kyrie Irving? Is it Kyrie Irving because he chose to not be available or because they told him he couldn't play and then they switched on it? Is it because he doesn't trust Ben Simmons? I just don't know what's really happening in Brooklyn. And that, to me, is what's confusing about his request for a trade. I don't have a problem with him wanting out of the situation. Brooklyn is, as I've said, a pop-up shop. They have no culture. They have really no backbone. They have no foundation. They constantly go which, whatever way the wind blows. So if this is something he's not comfortable in anymore, I don't have a problem with him asking out. But what direction are you trying to go in? Is he trying to go to a contender? Is he willing to, I don't give some sort of extra commitment to that organization so that they know He's in a four-year deal. He's not going to ask out next year. There's a lot of moving parts with the Brooklyn KD situation that are just confusing to me. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Let me start by saying this, and this is not in my notes, but as you were talking, I was thinking. Kevin Durant, I will praise him most for this. He lives the realest life of any pro athlete. Most pro athletes are like, you know, I have a reputation to uphold. I'm not going to respond to trolls. Kevin Durant's like, nah, trolls can get it too. I get he had a whole burner account thing, but that's a joke for years past. Kevin Durant thus far in his career hasn't told us lies that he's gotten caught up in. So Kevin Durant, more than any other pro athlete, he keeps it 100 all the time. So let's look at that quote from Kevin Durant on Twitter and look at it 
closely and carefully. See, Katie said, I know most people will believe an unnamed source over me, but he says, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Y'all do realize there were two options based on the unnamed source that Kevin Durant will retire before returning to the Nets or retire or return to the Nets. I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon. I just think he's going to be on the Nets. Now, he might not be playing for the Nets, but I think he is going to be on the Nets. KD is like any major athletic director for a big-time college program. KD is like the commissioner of the NFL. All position and no power. See, people get confused when you talk about the commissioner of the NFL. And I was talking to both the commissioner one time and a major athletic director of a major university. And he said, look, I got the title, but I don't actually have the power. The owners have the power of the National Football League. The coaches and the basketball coaches and the baseball coaches, they have the power of major Division I programs. The commissioner and the athletic director, they just have the position. KD has the position of superstar basketball player. But, Joy, for the first time in a long time, it appears to me that KD does not have power, and that's how he looks. I don't think that he is powerless. I think the situation is difficult because of his contract being four years. If that wasn't the situation, I do think that the trade might have already happened. But the problem is teams are seeing more and more that organizations that win deep into the postseason have foundations, have cultures, have deep benches, have role players that buy in, have stars that are have invested in the system and have been there and have grown and gone through the lumps. They have great coaching. There is a formula to winning. If you really look at who has won championships over the last 10 years in the NBA, there's this confusion that it's just these teams that have thrown stars together. That's really not the case. Even KD in Golden State, KD went into a situation that was already established. Did he make them significantly better? Obviously, but that foundation was there. He was an addition to that foundation, to that culture, to those other stars, to to that coach and to that roster. So... A lot of teams aren't willing to just blow up their entire roster to get Kevin Durant like in years past where they would have just jumped at the opportunity. That's how he got in Brooklyn in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the situation as a whole, it's not that KD doesn't have power. It's that the league is responding in a way that is showing that they're not willing to, to match what Brooklyn wants for KD. Brooklyn obviously has more leverage because they have him under contract. He's not going to retire, as he has said, and they're not going to take less than what they want for Kevin Durant. That doesn't mean he's powerless. He could still sit out this year, and then Brooklyn will not be competitive. Let me ask you this. Um, you are often an opinionist, sometimes an analyst, but always a fan, particularly a fan of the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, one of KD's early trade destinations. As a fan of the Heat, would you want Kevin Durant on your squad, knowing that you would likely have to hemorrhage your future and lose your present? Speak as a fan now, not the opinionist you are. Well, I know I would love Kevin Durant on the Miami Heat, but you have to do it in a practical way. Otherwise, you're just bringing in Kevin Durant and you're losing your ability to be a contender, which is my point. Teams can't do that anymore. You can't lose your bench. You can't lose certain role players. You have to make a practical decision that might leverage your future in a few years. You might give up an astronomical amount of draft picks. But when you're talking about blowing up your entire roster right now, that's what will get you to the position that you would use 
utilize Kevin Durant in the postseason. So you have to be more strategic with it. You have to do what Golden State did, adding Kevin Durant to a situation that is already a foundation. So, yes, would I love Kevin Durant? Yes, please, Pat Riley, make it happen. I would love this. I, I, I love watching Kevin Durant play basketball. He is one of my favorite players of all time. He is, on any given night, the best player in the league. But how to put Kevin Durant on your roster is what is holding up this entire trade process, I believe. Kevin Durant, the player in basketball who has occupied all of our offseason headlines. But Baker Mayfield, that's the player in football who's mm. occupied all of our NFL headlines. I'm comparing him to the Hulk. Yes, the incredible Hulk. Find out why. That's next. Speak for yourself. Don't go anywhere. Sounds like it's going to be some shade to the Hulk. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Baker Mayfield, one of the most galvanizing players in all of pro sports. He's starting off with the Panthers this season. Now he was in the preseason, and he did all right. Threw seven passes, looked good, led the team down the field. They got a field goal. I was watching the game. I liked what I saw. But Baker Mayfield is in a competition with Sam Darnold, a little heated quarterback competition. It got me thinking, ladies, gentlemen, about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is something like the Incredible Hulk. Um, why, Bucky, is he, first of all, watch your face, watch your face. Why is he like the Incredible Hulk? Because Baker Mayfield has a superpower. Y'all realize the Incredible Hulk goes from 128 pounds to a half a ton by the time he gets stressed? It's the Incredible Hulk stress that activates his superpower. In the same breath, Baker Mayfield, when he's challenged, it activates his superpower. He goes to Texas Tech as a walk-on, challenged, activates his superpower. He becomes a starting quarterback. He leaves Texas Tech and he's challenged again by Trevor Knight at the University of Oklahoma. Activates his superpower. He wins the Heisman Trophy. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. He's challenged. No quarterback in Cleveland has ever won anything since the turn of the century. Activates his superpower. He balls as a rookie. But then as a sophomore, he slumps. Why? No challenge. Third year, challenged. New head coach, you just struggled as a sophomore, activates his superpower, leads the Cleveland Browns to a playoff victory for the first time since 1994. But then his fourth year in the league, no challenge. Has the same head coach, first time he had a coach to carry over for a year since college. No challenge, he struggles. So now enter the Carolina Panthers. Please challenge Baker Mayfield so we can see the incredible Hulk. They don't. They hand him the starting job, seemingly. So now we don't see Baker Mayfield with the quickness of work done. Baker Mayfield with the composure of Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield with the arm strength of Josh Allen. We don't see the incredible Hulk, Baker Mayfield. We just see Baker Mayfield. I think the Panthers are mishandling the Baker Mayfield situation because they are robbing him of the superpower that makes him incredible. They're just handing it to him. But Joy, you think the Panthers are mishandling Baker Mayfield? No, they're not. Darnold has had an extraordinary amount of time to prove that he is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I get it, it's competition. You don't really know what Baker's going to bring to the table. We'll make it cute. We'll make it fun. But then eventually Baker is going to win this job. We all know this because Baker is the better quarterback mm -hmm. in this situation, despite how things went last year. I hear your analogy. I see you. I actually don't disagree with the premise that Baker needs this type of challenge. My issue is I really can't get into somebody who I constantly have to play mind games with to do their job. 
You know what your motivation is? It's that check you get deposited every two weeks. Nobody needs to tell me to do good work at my job because I get paid to do my job. So therefore, I'm going to work hard. That's just how I'm wired. That's also how I would really like my quarterback to be wired. (laughs) There are certain positions where we've seen this time and time again. Maybe it's a skill position. You know, maybe it's somebody on the defense. Not someone who's the face of your organization. Somebody you got to give a little extra love to. Somebody you got to make sure how they have a mentor. You're the starting quarterback. There's a saying. Sometimes the thing that got you there isn't the thing that's going to keep you there. It'll keep you there. Your circumstances change in life. Maybe all that grit, that chip on the shoulder, maybe you just <laughs> internalize that. You know what I mean? Focus that energy. I don't need to have to come in here and scare you to do a good job. I don't want to have to do that. That's exhausting. I'm tired of even talking about it. Go do your job. You don't need extra motivation as a professional athlete. Why do we got to play these games with Baker Mayfield? Go do your job. The challenge is you're an NFL quarterback. That is an extremely competitive position. There are not a lot of those jobs in the world. That should be your motivation already. I hear you, but you were a number one overall pick. You were the Heisman Trophy winner. You're not an underdog anymore, my guy. You have arrived. You got 47 progressive commercials. We get it, okay? So the whole underdog thing to me just gets tired. I don't need to have to motivate you. I don't have to play these tricky games to get you to be your best. Just do it. Just do it. I think what the Panthers are doing is absolutely brilliant because it speaks to your point and it speaks to your point a little bit. You talk about Baker Mayfield being at his best when he's under stress, when he has to earn the right to be the starting quarterback. So what the Panthers are doing is, by all accounts, they've named him the starting quarterback because they let him run out with the starters. Of course. We won after three weeks of being in training camp. (laughs) So he's their starting quarterback. But to your point, you don't want to have to coddle him and say that, hey, Baker, you're good. But they know that he needs that constant stress. So what are they saying? Hey, it's still a competition. I don't know. Because now Baker Mayfield has to continue to show up under duress and know that I have to perform to play at a high level to keep my job. And so for me, I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers. I'm saying, oh, I get what they're doing. They've seen that he doesn't sustain his success on his own, not necessarily because he's not intrinsically motivated, but he just has a hard time just finding things to keep him motivated. So what we're going to do, because we all have had coaches in our lives who are like, oh, you need a little kick in the rear to get going. Something, something, so I'm going to give you a little something. Hey, Sam, run with the ones. Well, coach, I'm the, not yet. <laughs> They're going to continue to make him earn it because that is when Baker is at his best. When he's comfortable and satisfied, he doesn't deliver with the same edginess that delivers when he's the underdog. Wholeheartedly agreed. Love this conversation. Baker Mayfield, he has to earn a starting job, but more importantly, he also has to earn a lot of money because they didn't pay him. They only picked up his fifth-year option. Somebody who did get paid, Patrick Mahomes. Y'all remember he signed that 10-year, $450 million deal, but quarterbacks are passing him up. Joy Taylor, should Mahomes regret signing that 10-year extension? 10 years? What was it, $450 million? Nah, he's good. He's chilling. I don't. <laughs> he's all right. All agree. We're going to talk about that next. Speak for yourself. He'll be all right. <laughs> Sunday, you don't want to miss it. Two of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the league take center stage. I'm talking about action Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. That's the Ravens, Cardinals, NFL preseason showcase Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, only on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Boy, I can't wait for that one. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, one already highly paid in Kyler Murray, the other Lamar Jackson, but Patrick Mahomes, he set the deal first. A $450 million deal, 10 years. It was a couple years ago. Um, But 
That contract has come with some criticism because other big name quarterbacks have surpassed him. Now, Kyler, Patrick Mahomes addressed the criticism, saying, quote, it's not always about getting the most money. It's about going out there and winning and having the kind of legacy that you can live with forever. Bucky Brooks, coming to you first. Ten years, $450 million. It is a lot of money. It doesn't just sound like it in the National Football League. That's a lot of money. However, Aaron Rodgers making more per year than Patrick Mahomes. Kyler Murray making more per year than Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson making more per year than Patrick Mahomes. Soon to be very likely Lamar Jackson making more per year than Patrick Mahomes. Should Patrick Mahomes regret a deal that long? No, no, no. I think this is perfect for Pat Mahomes because Pat Mahomes got paid, but he also gave himself enough flexibility to do what he needs to do to be recognized as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. We recognize Tom Brady as being the GOAT, not because of how much money he has made throughout his career, true. But, but how much he wins and how often he wins. Well, Pat Mahomes has signed a deal that gives the Kansas City Chiefs the flexibility to ensure that he is able to consistently win. Because the one thing that we know about these long deals when it comes to quarterbacks, they always go back to the quarterback to redo the deal when they need to sign some other people. So that built-in flexibility gives the Kansas City Chiefs an opportunity to continue to sign in marquee players to surround Pat Mahomes with. And so as Pat Mahomes gets older, he's going to need better players around him. That money is there available for the Chiefs to be able to spend it. No, it's a smart move for him because he got paid, he has security, but he also has enough flexibility to continue to have an excellent team around him. Common misconception, though, with Tom Brady. People talk about it, they joke about it, but in all seriousness, Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, net worth of $400 million. Average annual income, it ranges anywhere from 30 to $75 million, depending on what sites you look. So, Tom Brady has the luxury of leaving some more money on the table because the Brady family, if you will, will collectively net $100 million a year regardless of what Tom Brady pulls. I can't speak for Patrick Mahomes' wife nor his brother, but I don't know that TikTok is supplying the income to that family <laughs> like Giselle is with the legitimized, as it stands thus far, profession over the course of years. So, Joy... What do you say in regards to Patrick Mahomes, that 10-year, $450 million deal? Well, first of all, I completely agree with Bucky. There's urgency and then there's legacy when it comes to contracts. He is in legacy stage. That's why he signed this contract, and that's what he's talking about when he's responding to the criticisms of this contract. He is thinking big picture. He's thinking, how can I put myself in another air, in a space with the greatest to ever do it, so that when my career is over, I can live off of that legacy as well as the money that I've made. Because $450 million is a lot of money. <laughs> it's not like he's being cheated here. He's making an average annual salary of $45 million. He also makes approximately $20 million away from the field each year in endorsements. He has some pretty big ones. State Farm, EA Sports, Adidas, DirecTV, Head & Shoulders. Pretty big companies who are endorsing Patrick Mahomes. So math, not my thing, but that's around $65 million a year. That's a good living. Ten years, he has the flexibility with the organization to rework his contract. They can bring in other players. They have the flexibility to sign other big players. When your legacy grows, that money outside of what you're getting in a check grows. Are billionaires being critical of this contract? 
Because that's that's kind of no. Okay, so that's my thing. If you are not making four hundred fifty million dollars, then being critical of signing a deal for four hundred fifty million dollars, like like okay, (laughs) sure, that's how you do it. I'm sure trees don't grow to the sky in a salary cap league. We know the next man up is going to get a little bit more, and then as the salary cap goes up, the next person will get a little bit more. Whether they are worth that or Patrick Mahomes is worth more than another quarterback is really an argument in semantics. He's being paid. He's just playing chess, not checkers. Let's have a real conversation and let's go somewhere other places will not. Um, Let's talk about egos. Let's talk about pride. Bucky, I know for certain you can talk about it. Joy, I would assume you can as well. The reason I know for certain, Bucky, you and I shared those locker rooms where egos run Mm -hmm. rampant. Joy, I would assume you've lived a life amongst people that can uh, relate. I don't care if I'm playing the long game. I don't care if I'm playing chess. I care about making more than you if I'm better than you at what I do. I care about making more than you if you are not as good at the exact same job as me. I get chess, I get checkers, I get Uno, I get all the games in the world. But what I really need to get is more money than you, Deshaun Watson, if I'm a better player than you, Deshaun Watson. More money than you, Kyler Murray, if I'm a better player than you, Kyler Murray. Three years, four names. It took three years for four names to surpass Kyler Murray on that list because Deshaun uh, Lamar Jackson is coming. To pass Patrick Mahomes on that list because Lamar Jackson is coming. Imagine what other names will pass him in three years. I can throw some out. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. We can throw some out. So I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can just sit there, Joy, playing chess watching a whole bunch of quarterbacks that cannot even tie his shoelace pass him up on daily bread. Can't tie his shoelace? Justin yeah, Herbert can't tie Patrick Mahomes' shoelace. Okay. So. No, look, mm, mm. All right. Woo, hold on. <laughs> They're not like some bums that They're are not, getting paid. But comparatively, Kyler Murray compared to Patrick Mahomes, comparatively, is a bum. Patrick no, Mahomes. he's not as good as Patrick Comparatively. Mahomes. Comparatively. He's not as accomplished as Patrick Mahomes, but he's also not signing a 10-year deal. The reason that this deal is unique is because of the length of it. The conversations around Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are skewed because of this deal. Because people are like, well, Lamar yeah. Jackson's not going to be able to run in 10 years. Well, you don't have him under a 10-year deal, so who cares what he does in 10 years? As I've said, we might not have beaches in 10 years. You're worried about the next <laughs> four years, four to five years. That's what you're worried about. The Chiefs are not worried about that because they know what Patrick Mahomes is. You caught me on the wrong day because I'm just coming out of my yoga class, so I'm so focused on my mat. I can't even tell what everyone else is doing. I'm in Warrior too, so that's what I'm, I'm – Pat, I'm Pat Mahomes. I'm not worried about everybody else stressed out. Like, you have $450 million that hit the account over a 10-year deal. Yeah. Like, Unless you somehow trick that off, why are you even worried about what those stop other this. people do? I'm not this. in competition stop. to I'm see not let y'all if my bank account is bigger nope. than Joy's bank account. No, 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 no. Listen, We're I, good. You asked about ego, and I will answer that question specifically. Thank you, because y'all okay. fighting right now way I too heavy. I don't know how men get through the day with y'all egos, okay? So that I will just say that. Like, you, this is different. <laughs> I don't, it's not, I'm not wired that way. I don't have the luxury of being wired that way, which I can also say. So I don't understand that kind of mentality and that thing inside. But I don't also believe that everyone is wired that way. I think I do believe, I know, some people are capable of separating that kind of raging ego from the reality even, in which they live. To me, it's not even raging, right? Like, I don't want to use the hyperbolicness of going to an extreme. As Patrick Mahomes' agent, I believe Lee Steinberg, somebody mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, 
Even Lee should look here and say, man, Kyler Murray getting made more than my guy, and Kyler Murray has no playoff wins? Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl, and an NFL MVP. Deshaun Watson making more than my guy, and Deshaun Watson has off-the-field scandals, and Deshaun's only won one playoff game? Like, it's not even about ego. There's a point where it's about common sense to me. But you can't rework your contract every year because the next person up got paid more than you. That's not how these contracts work. Now, you could argue that maybe he shouldn't have signed a 10-year deal. because Maybe he should have signed a 6-year deal or a 7-year deal. But I, again, to Bucky's point, almost a half a billion dollars is going to hit your account <laughs> over the next 10 years. Not to mention what that, what that status is bringing you away from the field. So there, are, there is a cost-benefit to this. If you're always the highest-paid player, you're not going to have other players around you. And if your goal outside of making money is to also have a legacy, you have to, you have to walk that line because it is a salary cap league. Well, speaking of players who still want to get paid, Bears superstar Roquan Myth. How in the world are the Bears mishandling the one situation they need to get right? That's next. My final thought. Speak for yourself. It's time for my final thought. The Chicago Bears. Boy, I want y'all to be good again, but y'all are making it so difficult on yourself. Head coach Matt Eberflus, what are you doing? Sign linebacker Roe Quan Smith immediately. You of all people should know the value of a linebacker. You were a linebacker coach just five years ago. You already forgot where you came from? Furthermore, Bears, you got about three good players on your team, two of which are elite. Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. Roquan Smith trying to get his money. Bears, y'all don't have the luxury of not signing Roquan Smith. Beggars cannot be choosers. And right now, Chicago Bears, you all are beggars as it pertains to finding elite talent. You have an elite inside backer. Keep your elite inside backer. Pay your elite inside backer. Simple as that. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow.